Hey, this is James, and I'm reading Radiographic Image Analysis, the fifth edition by Kathy Martinson. Textbooks are meant to be a visual medium with pictures and tables, but since this is purely audio, I've taken some liberties and made some edits to make the read smoother. I'd recommend following along with your book or reading it yourself later. Any changes to the text or commentary is my own and not endorsed by the author or publisher, obviously. Um, and I apologize up front for any mispronunciations or mistakes. Hope you learned something. Chapter 1. Guidelines for Image Analysis Why Image Analysis? Radiographic projections are such that slight differences in quality do not necessarily rule out their diagnostic value. Reviewers can ordinarily make satisfactory adjustments by reason of their experience and knowledge, although passing less than optimal projections may compromise the diagnosis and treatment and result in additional projections at a higher expense and radiation dose to the patient. The purpose of image analysis is to explore how to evaluate projections for acceptability, determine how to improve positioning and technical skills before repeating a projection, and continually improve skills. Why does a technologist care about creating optimal projections and studying all the small details relating to image analysis? The most important answer to this question lies in why most technologists join the profession, to help people. From the patient's point of view, it provides the reviewer with projections that contain optimal diagnostic value. It prevents the anxiety that occurs when additional projections or studies need to be performed, and prevents the radiation dosage that might be caused by additional imaging. From a societal point of view, it helps prevent additional increases in healthcare costs that could result because of the need for additional or more expensive imaging procedures, and because of the malpractice cases that might result from a poor or misdiagnosis. From a technologist's point of view, it would be the preventable financial burden and stress that arise from legal actions, a means of protecting professional interests as more diagnostic procedures are being replaced with other modalities, and the professional satisfaction gained when our patients, employer, and ourselves benefit from and are recognized for our expertise. Consider how accuracy and positioning and technical factors affect the diagnostic value of a projection. Chest procedures are one of the most commonly performed projections each year. They are completed to evaluate the lungs, heart, and thoracic viscera, as well as disease processes such as pneumonia, heart failure, pleurisy, and lung cancer. The reviewer must consider all the normal variations that exist in areas such as the mediastinum, hyla, diaphragm, and lungs. Should they also have to consider how the appearance of these structures is different with preventable positioning and technical errors? It only takes two or three degrees of rotation to affect the appearance of the lungs, causing differences in brightness values along the lateral borders of the chest projection. Similarly, certain conditions such as mediastinal widening or cardiac size cannot be evaluated properly on a rotated PHS projection. The normal heart shadow on such a projection will occupy slightly less than half the transverse dimension of the thorax. This is evaluated by measuring the largest transverse diameter of the heart on the AP or PA projection and relating that to the largest transverse measurement of the internal dimension of the chest. When the PA chest projection is rotated, bringing a different plane of heart into profile, this diagnosis becomes compromised. If instead of being evaluated 
for acceptability, projections are evaluated for optimalism, could more consistent and improved diagnoses be made from diagnostic projections? If the radiologist cannot arrive at a conclusive diagnosis from the projections that technologist provides, he or she must recommend other imaging procedures or follow-up projections. Terminology. I'm going to rant a little bit here. In the last edition of the book, VOI stood for volume of interest, which at the time I thought was a poor replacement for ROI or region of interest because ROI is the much more common term. But I figured whatever. Uh, but now they've changed VOI to stand for values of interest, which is even worse because it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, just know that VOI... And region of interest, values of interest, volume of interest, it's all basically the same thing. Characteristics of the optimal projection. An optimal image of each projection demonstrates all of the most desired features as described in box 1.1. Those include, number one, the projection is accurately displayed. Number two, demographic information, for example, name, facility, time, date, is visualized. Number three, correct markers in the correct position without superimposing the VOI. Number four, desired anatomic structures are in the exposure field and are in accurate alignment with each other. Five, there is maximum spatial resolution. Six, radiation protection is present and was accurately used during the exposure. Seven, Image histogram was accurately produced without errors. Eight, adequate exposure reached the IR based on ideal exposure index. Nine, contrast resolution identifies the subject contrast. And 10, noise is minimal, including scatter and preventable artifacts. Because of patient conditions, uh, equipment malfunction, or technologist error, such perfection is not obtained for every projection that is produced. A less than optimal projection is thoroughly evaluated to determine the reason for error, so that the problem can be corrected before the examination is repeated. A projection that is not optimal, but is still acceptable according to a facility's standards, is carefully studied to determine which skills can be improved before the next similar examination, continuous improvement is sought. The text can't begin to identify the variations in the standards of acceptability in all the different imaging facilities. What might be acceptable at your facility may not be acceptable or desired at another. So as you study the projections, you may find that many of them are accepted by your facility even though they do not meet the guidelines as written. You may also find that a guideline that is listed is not desired by your facility. The goal of this text is not to dictate what an acceptable or unacceptable projection is, because that is determined by the needs of the reviewer. The most common radiography positioning and exposure practices were used when deciding the positioning and image analysis guidelines that are listed in the tables for each projection. Image Analysis Process after a projection is correctly displayed, it is evaluated for positioning and technical accuracy. Table 1.1, which I'm not going to read, provides a systematic approach that is designed to be used 
when evaluating projections to ensure that all aspects of the projection are analyzed. Under each item, there's a list of questions to explore while evaluating a projection. The discussions in chapters 1 and 2 will explore these question areas. The answers to all the questions taken together will determine whether the projection is optimal, acceptable, or needs repeating based on the professional or departmental standards. Number one, demographic requirements are visualized on the projection. Projections are evaluated to be certain that a correct patient has been associated with the projections obtained uh, before they are sent to PACS. This is accomplished with computed radiography when the cassette's barcode label is scanned and associated with the patient's identification barcode and examination request. And with DR, when the patient and examination order is pulled up on the workstation before the examination is obtained. It is when the projection being obtained is selected from the workstation that the algorithms used to display and rescale the projection are also selected. Once a projection is sent to PACS, it is immediately available to whoever has access, and it will make it difficult to retrieve. If the projection is allocated with the wrong patient, the projection may be seen or evaluated by a physician before the misassociation is noticed. If incorrect patient information is assigned to a projection, the technologist can reassociate the examination to the correct patient as long as the projection has not been sent to the PACS. If the projections are sent to the PACS with the incorrect patient assigned to the examination, the PACS coordinator must be immediately notified to correct the error before the projections are viewed. Number two, projection is accurately displayed on the workstation screen. Digital images are displayed on the workstation screen in the manner in which they were obtained or after pre-processing has been applied to the changes and how the projection is to be displayed to meet the facility's desires. For example, a left lateral chest projection can be flipped transversely to be displayed as right lateral. How the patient is oriented on the IR during the procedure determines if the projection will be displayed accurately on the workstation or if it will require post-processing manipulation. Each system's IR has a top, right, or left side. These orientation indicators align the image orientation with the computer algorithm of a patient in the anatomic position. As long as the top indicator is placed under the portion of the anatomy that is to be up when the projection is displayed, the projection will be displayed with the correct anatomy of the top. On the AP projection where the left and right sides of the patient are included, the patient's right side is aligned with the right orientation indicator on the IR to accurately display the patient's left side on the viewer's right side. For PA projections, where the patient's left side will be oriented on the right side of the IR during the procedure, the associated algorithm will request that the computer transversely flips the projection obtained before it is displayed. Table 1.2 lists display guidelines to explore when analyzing the display acceptability. The quality of a projection may appear different depending on where it is displayed in the facility. Display station resolution refers to the maximum number of pixels that the screen can demonstrate. To display projections at full resolution, the display screen must be able to display the same number of pixels as those at which the digital system acquired the projection. 
if the digital system's matrix size is smaller than the display station's matrix size, the value of the surrounding pixels are rounded up or down as needed to display the whole projection. The technologist's workstation screen typically did not demonstrate resolution as high as that of the radiologist's display screen. Number three, the correct marker is visualized on the projection and demonstrates accurate placement. Lead markers are used to identify the patient's left and right sides, indicate variations in the standard procedure, or show the amount of time that is elapsed in time procedures, such as a small bowel study. The markers are constructed of lead, so they are radiopaque. Each projection must include a correctly placed marker. Table 1.3, which I'm not going to read, lists guidelines to follow when marking and evaluating marker accuracy on projections. Number four, appropriate collimation practices are evident. Good collimation practices include number one, to clearly delineate the value of interest, or VOI. Two, decrease radiation dosage by limiting the amount of patient tissue exposed. Three, improve the visibility of recorded details by reducing the amount of scatter radiation that is produced. Four, reduce histogram analysis errors. Each projection requires that the CR be centered to a particular location and that it's collimated to a particular VOI. For example, all wrist projections require that one-fourth of the distal forearm be included because radiating wrist pain may be a result of a distal forearm fracture, and a lateral ankle projection includes one inch of the fifth metatarsal base to rule out a Jones fracture. For each projection, there are guidelines on what makes up the VOI on the projection and a description of how to collimate to include the VOI. Number five. Relationships between the anatomic structures are accurate for the projection demonstrated. Each projection is to demonstrate specific bony relationships that will best facilitate diagnosis as defined in the procedural analysis section of the text. Most positioning routines require AP or PA and a lateral projection to be taken to demonstrate superimposed anatomic structures, localized lesions or foreign bodies, and demonstrate alignment of fractures. When joints are of interest, oblique projections are also added to this routine to visualize obscured areas better. In, in addition to these, special projections may be requested for more precise demonstration of special anatomic structures and pathological conditions. To appreciate the importance of the anatomic relationship on a projection, one must understand the clinical reason for what the procedure is to demonstrate for the reviewer. An optimally positioned tangential shoulder projection demonstrates the supraspinaceous outlet, and that is the opening formed between the acromion and the humeral head, and the posterior aspect of the acromion and AC joints and profile. The technologist produces these anatomic relationships when the midcronal plane is positioned vertically and it can be ensured that the proper positioning was obtained when the superior scapular angle is positioned at the level of the coracoid tip on the projection. For this optimal projection, the radiologist can evaluate the supraspinaceous outlet for narrowing caused by variations in the shape, known as a spur, or 
slope of the acromion and AC joint, which has been found in the, to be the primary cause of shoulder impingement and rotator cuff tears. If instead of being vertical, the upper midcoronal plane was tilted toward the IR, the resulting projection would demonstrate the superior scapular angle positioned above the coracoid tip, preventing clear visualization of the acromion and AC joint deformities because their posterior surfaces would no longer be in profile and would narrow or close the supraspinaceous outlet. Because the reviewer would be unable to diagnose outlet narrowing that results from variations in the shape or slope of the acromion or AC joint, this projection would not be of diagnostic value. For each projection in the procedural analysis section of the book, there is a list of, number one, image analysis guidelines, to use when evaluating the anatomic relationships that are seen on an optimal projection. Two, an explanation that correlates the anatomic relationships with the specific positioning procedure. And three, a description with correlating projections of related positioning errors to use to properly reposition the patient if an unacceptable projection is obtained and needs repeating. An optimal projection appears as much like the real object as possible. But because of unavoidable distortion that results from the shape, thickness, and position of the object and beam, part, and IR alignment, this is not always feasible, resulting in some anatomic structures appearing different from the real object. Using skeletal bones positioned in the same manner as the projection will greatly aid in identification of the anatomic structures on a projection. When identifying anatomic structures, one must consider how anatomy may appear different from the real object. Table 1.5, which I'm not going to read, lists imaging concepts and guidelines that when understood and applied to how the procedure was obtained, can help with identification of the anatomic structures on the projection. Steps for repositioning the patient and CR for repeat projections. Uh, tables 1.6 and 1.7 list the steps to take when repositioning the patient or the CR after a projection has been obtained that does not meet the required anatomic relationships. Table 1.6 is how to reposition the patient, and Table 1.7 is how to reposition your central ray. Number 6. Projection demonstrates maximum spatial resolution. Spatial resolution refers to the ability of an imaging system to record sharp detail edges and distinguish small adjacent details from each other in a projection. Spatial resolution refers to the ability of an imaging system to record sharp detail edges and distinguish small adjacent details from each other in a projection. The sharpness of the recorded detail on a projection refers to how many pixels the detail's edge will spread across because of blur. Low blur indicates that the spread is minimal, involving fewer pixels and indicating higher detail sharpness. The geometric factors that affect blur are the focal spot size and your distances. The greatest edge sharpness is obtained by using a small focal spot and the longest possible SID with the shortest possible OID and controlling motion. 
It is also greatest in computed radiography when the smallest possible IR cassette is chosen. It's the digital system's pixel size that determines the minimum size a detail can be and still be resolved, and how far adjacent details have to be from each other for them both to be resolved. This term, spatial frequency, is used to describe the expected quality of the spatial resolution that is obtained by a digital system at a set focal spot size and using a set SID and OID. Spatial frequency is defined in terms of the number of details that can be clearly visualized in a set amount of space. This change is not expressed as the size of the object, but in terms of the largest number of line pairs per millimeter that can be seen when a resolution line pair test tool is imaged using the system. As the geometry is improved by using small focal spot, increasing SID, or decreasing OID, the spatial frequency number will become larger, and the ability of the system to resolve smaller details increases. Spatial frequency is directly related to pixel size because each pixel can only visualize one gray shade, distinguishing only one detail, and two pixels are needed to make up a line pair. If the frequency of change in the projection from detail to detail is closer together than the width or height of the pixel, the detail will not be resolved. Number seven. Radiation protection is present on the projection when indicated, and good radiation protection practices are used during the procedure. Diagnostic imaging professionals have a responsibility to adhere to the effective radiation protection practices for the following reasons. Number one, to prevent the occurrence of radiation-induced non-stochastic effects by adhering to dose-equivalent limits that are below the threshold dose equivalent levels, and two, to limit the risk of stochastic effects to a reasonable level compared with non-radiation risks and in relation to society's needs, benefits gained, and economic factors. More than adults, children are susceptible to low levels of radiation because they possess many rapidly dividing cells and have a longer life expectancy. In rapidly dividing cells, the repair of mutations is less efficient than in resting cells. When radiation causes DNA mutations in a rapidly dividing cell, the cell cannot repair the damaged DNA sufficiently and continues to divide. Therefore, the DNA remains in disrepair. The risk of cancer from radiologic examinations accumulates over a lifetime. Because children have a longer life expectancy, they have more time to manifest radiation-related cancers. This is particularly concerning because many childhood diseases require follow-up imaging into adulthood. Continually evaluating one's radiation protection practices is necessary because radiation protection guidelines for diagnostic radiology assume a linear, non-threshold dose-risk relationship. Therefore, any radiation dose, whether small or large, is expected to produce a response. Even when radiation protection efforts are not seen on the resulting projection itself, good patient care standards dictate their use. Table 1.9, which I'm not going to read, lists radiation protection practices that, when followed, fulfill the ALARA or as low as reasonably achievable philosophy. 
that's the end of chapter one. Thanks for listening.